Today marks the first day of our 12 Days of Christmas mini-episodes. And we're also going to cheat a little bit and we're going to make this X for Xmas. So here we are, Christmas minis. And it's been about five years, well, exactly five years since the last time we looked at the classic Christmas story that is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So this year, for our 12 days, we're going to do Christmas Carol 2, Ebenezer Boogaloo. I'm your host, Joe, and with me as always in Melbourne is Mitch. Hi. And yeah, this is kind of like our favorite time of the year when we get to do 12 little mini episodes where we talk about Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, I never was that much of a Christmassy guy. Like, I like Christmas, don't get me wrong. It's, it's that time of the year where you have holidays and barbecues and cricket doing stuff, you know. But ever since we've been doing these 12 Days of Christmas specials, I love it even more because I'm watching so many more Christmas shows, looking for more Christmas shows and getting all very, very excited a lot earlier for the actual thing that is Christmas. Hmm, exactly. A, a much bigger love affair for the story that is A Christmas Carol, which I would have to say is my favourite story now because I do love the truth. Definitely. I love hmm. what it is. So, yeah, I had, I tried to convince you that I think we should do it again. You didn't need that much convincing, which was good. So, yeah. No, definitely not. Well, we've got a bit of a good mix this time around. As I said, traditional versions of the story and also episodes and specials of other Christmas things that are inspired by the story by Charles Dickens. So, yes. Yeah. So, without any further ado, let's look at day one of this year's Christmas specials, and that is all the way back in 1911, there was a Christmas Carol, which was a silent film that runs for a total of 10 minutes and is available to watch on Tubi. And on YouTube, too. Oh, it's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. But yes, yeah, so if you'd like to watch, it's there for you to watch, and you'll probably watch it and finish it before we finish this episode. Hopefully. Yes, so I think the version that's on YouTube doesn't have any backing music, but the Tubi one has kind of that sort of piano-y background and but stuff. But it's obviously not the, the original music. It's, it's very electronic. No, it's, it's, yeah, not, bit, it's not the original music, that's for sure. But it, it the vibe comes across that they're trying to push. So this version is actually, it depends where you look. So some places they say it's 1910 and other places it says it's 1911. I think it actually came out in December 1910 and it's the second oldest surviving screen adaptation of the famous literary work by Mr. Dickens himself. Okay. And it stars Mark McDermott, who I've never heard of as Ebenezer Scrooge, and Charles S. Ogle as Bob Cratchit are probably the two biggest names in it. Now, Charles S. Ogle was actually Frankenstein's monster in the silent film version of Frankenstein. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. It's a shame it wasn't the Universal Monsters one because then there'd be a real tie-in and we could sort of do crossovers, no. but not quite. No. So anyway, let's talk about this episode or this movie, I should say, even though it's only 10 minutes long. Most people by now would know the story of A Christmas Carol. Yep. Main characters, Ebenezer Scrooge, the miserly old businessman. Yes. Who hates Christmas. Is not a nice person. Doesn't hate Christmas. He yep. doesn't care for Christmas. All he cares for is money. He doesn't care for people. He has no time for that. No. He's a grumpy old man. And then he works in his office and who works for him is Bob Cratchit, which is a, a lovely gentleman. But, you know, he's got his family at home. He's got Tiny Tim, which is a sickly child. He's lame. 
He is lame. That's the term they use. He's a lame <laughs> child. So he works for Ebenezer. Then he's got his nephew. I forget his nephew's name off the top of my head. But his nephew, who is his only relative. Fred. Fred. Fred, the nephew. And he was. Yes. He did love his sister, but she died in childbirth. So he sort of bought up or looked after the nephew, but he begrudges him because he's actually a nice guy and he doesn't want for money mm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, there is Jacob Marley, who is Ebenezer's old business partner who died seven years before on that very day of Christmas Eve. And he visits him as a ghost and warns him that, that you will be visited by three ghosts because I and he's he turns up and he's wearing like he's in his outfit he's got what do we what do we call it a bandage around his face which they used to use to stop the mouths opening when the bodies were dead when they buried them and he was wrapped in chains and those chains rep- represented all the bad things he'd done in his life and when he talks to Ebenezer yep. it's sort of like these chains are nothing you were they were this long on you when I died seven years ago yours are even longer now and he warns him of the coming of the three ghosts and then you've got the ghosts of Christmas past future and present and the only other people you would have I guess and Fezziwig who was his boss when he was young was a nice guy and he, he you know he, yep. he made time for Christmas and always had time for people and that sort of stuff and he did look up to him back in the day and there was Belle which was the love of his life who he was they were going to be married but um, she turned it around she said no because basically back in the I guess the equivalent of a prenup he asked for a prenup because she was so poor and it's like that's how business works yeah he kind and of she, yeah did a business contract rather than a marriage certificate and almost. she's like well but yeah screw you pretty much prenup screw you Scrooge mm. that's kind of it so that that's they're the main characters that you should see in a traditional yep. Christmas Carol story. So this is the silent film. So you've, like you said, you had your Bob Cratchit. So we started off. You're in an office. There's Scrooge and there's Bob Cratchit. In comes, which just starts with many versions. Three guys asking money for the poor because obviously back then people did that. It, it must have been the right thing to do because there was no government assistance, I suppose, back in the day. So there were poor houses, which I think you could work for. So that was set up by the government where if you couldn't afford anything, you could go there and it was somewhere to live and you'd work off your debt somehow. Hmm. So that was sort of it. And he's asking for money. He goes, why, why do you need money from me? Aren't the poor, the workhouses all closed down and this and that, surely. So he was very much of the everyone has to look out for themselves. Why am I helping the poor? And Charles Dixon's actually wrote this story because he saw how badly treated everyone was. There was a difference. You know, there was a class system and there were the poor and there was a rich. There was, yes. Charles Dickens's dad himself was taken away to what they call a debtor's prison, which is where they go into pretty much into lockup, where they are forced to work off their debts. So, yeah, when Charles Dickens was, was a young kid, probably in his teens, his dad was arrested and taken to debtor's prison and they lost their country house and that's when Charles Dickens had to go to work, basically, because he was the man of the family. And Dickens saw this plight of current London or England and... And thought it was terrible and had to write something about it. And he was going to write an essay and he thought, no one's going to write an essay. So he actually turned it into this Christmas carol to try and get the message across and hopefully, you know, win the country back and all that sort of stuff. And whether he actually succeeded and how much of an impact that has had, I don't know, but it's definitely had an impact on modern storytelling. And obviously most TV shows have had a Christmas carol episode. So it's the word Scrooge is used. So it's definitely influenced and had an impact on popular culture for the for the next for the oh, last for sure. you know 200 years whether it's actually changed people's opinion and made things nicer who knows but i think we've Ooh. talked about that more than this the, the short film that is the silent version from 1910 11 has gone yeah so all right at one minute 18 in this 
the nephew turns up and in this story. So the moneylenders come in. He, he says, bah humbug, and tells them to go away. Then the nephew walks in saying, come on, we'll have a place for you for Christmas. Come to Christmas dinner tomorrow because it's Christmas Eve. And he goes, come over to our place. We'll have you. And he goes, no, I won't come over, blah, blah, blah. So he sends him on his way. And then by a minute 50 into this, he's at home and he sees the doorknob, which is a classic trope in this, where the doorknob becomes Jacob Marley's face. And it sort of freaks him out a little bit, but he just thinks it's an apparition. And he goes in the house. And that's when he's visited by the ghost of Jacob Marley, which is two minutes, 13 into this. We are already at Jacob Marley and it's done. We're talking 1910. So special effects. We've got, you know, he's, he's superimposed over the top. So we see through and they're talking to each other, you know, obviously early special effects. So their lines of sight aren't really connecting. So they're not talking to each other. No, I think they're just overlaying the film on top of each other, aren't they? They are. That's what they did back in the day. Yeah. Which is really effective, but. Yeah. Especially for the door knocker. Mm. I, I thought the effect of having Marley's face come through the door knocker was really well done. Yeah, for its time, it's like it's amazing. But yeah, because obviously getting those things right and you're doing this later on and film and all this sort of stuff, he's talking sort of like the chest of the ghost sometimes. He's not mm. looking face to face. But I, I understand why. You know, these aren't perfect, but still pretty fascinating. So, you know, it's all silent. So you get some title cards sort of saying what's going on. If you didn't know the story, I don't know how well it comes across. And that's what I was I was talking to you off air, but I thought we'd save it for the show, is this is a very popular book. It's never been out of print. And I'm just wondering, is it so well known when they made this that they didn't need to elaborate on a lot of things? It just was. So therefore, I think so. Because mm, it's not like you had Netflix and so much entertainment you didn't know what to do. I was just wondering if for Christmas Carol was such a, by, by 1910, it was, everyone knows this story, everyone reads this story, it's a classic. Mm. So we have that, then he gets a close, by two minutes 50, we have the ghost of Christmas past walks in. Now, in the original text, it is an anamorphic shape. It's it's sort of human in a form, but it grows old and young and ethereal and almost, it, it doesn't, it's constantly changing form. Obviously, 1910, you can't get that across. So it's just an old dude in some robes coming in, sort of showing him some images. So there's technically three overlays of special effects in this one. Because you've got the incredibly, it's silent film acting. So, you know, he's hamming it up. He's reacting to everything. Then there's the superimposed version of the Ghost of Christmas Past. So he's a bit see-through. And then there's sort of an image of people in school. So you've got a third image projected. So he's showing him him as a child back when he was happy, his sister visiting him at school and all this sort of stuff. And then he gets angry because she leaves. And then you get Fizzywick, they're having the dance. Yep. So he sees all the past, then that's got the proposal and the rejection and he cracks the shits because she walks away. And then that ghost leaves and we're all good. And then at four minutes 30, we've got the ghost of Christmas present. We're in. This moves at a very quick rate of knots, I can tell you now. So it starts off with the crotchets having dinner, then the nephew's having a party, and then we actually get something that is not in every version of it, with the ghosts of Christmas present. Like generally the vision of him is he has the horn. Is it a horn? Yeah, like the horn of plenty sort of thing. Yeah. So he's carrying that and he's wearing a cloak and underneath the cloak he catches, what's that? And that is um, want and misery and it's two emancipated children. I think that's how they're represented. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing. And yeah, so... From the bottom of the screen, you just get these two sort of characters sort of jump up and scare him, and then the ghost goes away, and that's the end of that section. So it was like, and that's what I was wondering is this the book? You know, it's so well known that that, that happening was enough for people to go, ah, oh, there's what misery. 
Got it. Because you yeah. don't get it from watching it. <laughs> sort of like, what the fuck was that? And then he just fucks off. No. If you don't know the story, you don't understand that at all. And then we get at 6 minutes 40, we're already up to the Ghost of Christmas Future. And the Ghost of Christmas Future is normally portrayed as faceless. It's just a cloaked figure, almost like a Grim Reaper or something. You never see a face. It's generally yep. represented as a skeletal, skeletal hand. And it's only form of communication is pointing. And I remember going back and I just listened to the last time we talked about the 12 Days of Christmas specials and I kept talking about pointing, pointing, pointing and then it's like, yeah, and that's and then I, every time I've watched any recent version since, it's like, yeah, that's all it fucking does is point. Doesn't talk, doesn't communicate. Yeah, just pretty like, much. Here's the thing over here that's interesting. Check it out, point. Um, so this time they didn't go with that cloak figure. It actually was just, I think it was the same person playing the ghost all the time. They just had different outfits and it looked like the same sort of costumes again but because with the technology of 1910 and the lighting and everything they wanted to show it i guess so it, was, it looked like it was wearing white or something but it had a white veil over it so you could see the face underneath and everything like that but it was cloaked by a veil so it was a little bit different in that way but again did the pointing but yeah basically the ghost of christmas present shows him the error of his ways shows him his gravestone we see that Ebenezer's not happy with the fact that he's going to die a lonely old man and basically says, have I got time to change? My life's not over yet. And we kind of cut to Christmas Day. He wakes up and he Seven minutes and 35. has his Christmas lunch. Yeah. You're there already. So, <laughs> this is efficient, yeah. damn it. This is the way to go. And yeah, he goes to the party at his nephew's house. They have a beautiful Christmas lunch. Actually, no, he doesn't. He goes to the, cr- the Cratchits, doesn't he? Yeah, and has so, lunch. so he wakes up and this is, I mean... We actually judge a lot of the Scrooges on how well they wake up. Because with a yep. lot of it, it's like you start off with this crumpy old man. You're crotchety. You sort of get a vision of the of the past of how were they back then? You know, were they happy? Were they this? And they learn. And how well do they learn? Is it a transitional thing? Or do they wake up in the morning and all of a sudden they found the spirit of Christmas? So he, he wakes up and he's giddy and crazy. And like one of the versions we watched last time, he was he was ridiculously comedic and over the top. You know, so this guy, he yep. was he was very animated when he woke up. And because it's silent film, you, you, you're you playing you a lot be. more theatrical anyway. So he did that. There were kids out the front that were singing. And he grabbed into his pocket and threw some coins out the window and they were happy. Then he's like laughing maniacally. He's walking down the street and he sees his nephew and he goes and visits them. Like he collects them and says, come with me. And then they're all like, oh, shit. And he's like, oh, but like, no, he's happy. It's all good. It's like, oh, okay. And then the yeah. three men who asked for money early for the poor houses and stuff, he's like, oh. And they're like, oh, fuck off. You know, they see him and they get all scared. It's like, no, 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 come back, come back. And he pulls out some money and gives it to them. And they're all very happy. Give some money they, this time around, yeah. Yeah, so they're all happy. And then he knocks on um, Bob Cratchit's door. And he comes in with the nephews and all that sort of stuff. And they're like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And this and that. And he's sort of mucking around. And it's very pantomime acting where he's like looking the other way and laughing. <laughs> and then being angry at him, then turning around and laughing. Then he pats him on the bum, which I thought was very risque for 19... 19- you know, 1910. And then they come in and they bring Before in, the code. Yeah, and they come in and bring in all this food. And they're like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, cool food. And everyone's that happy. Giant turkey. Yep. That's done. And by 10 minutes, 15, we're out of there. That's it. It's done. That's that's efficient. But they say on the Wikipedia that it actually runs 13 minutes. Oh, and edit. if you're really interested, there there is a full version of it you can watch on Wikipedia. So it's obviously so old that it's in public domain. So if you can't find it on Tubi and you can't find it on YouTube, just go to Wiki because it's on there too. But some of the things I thought they did well in this, as I said, the, the ghost of Marley and the door knocker, I thought it was done well. 
the ham acting kind of made it feel that he had that redemption and went from being the the crotchety old man to the I love Christmas man. So I, I think that worked in this version. Being the fact that it is so short, there's no time wasted. There's no real backstory. It's just, here's a quick shot of him as a kid. Here's a quick shot of the present and the idea that, you know, Tiny Tim might not make it to another Christmas and here's your future. Here's your gravestone. No one's coming to visit you on your funeral. And it's efficient in the fact that it is so quick. Yep. But yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it's a very good version of the story. It hit all the marks. It's like bang, 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 bang. Well, it definitely did. And it's probably like you said, the, the story itself is so well known that I think you don't need to delve too much into the backstory of it all. It's kind of like people know that he's going to get visited by three ghosts and it's going to change him. Yeah. So yeah, it, it did what it needed to do. It, and it's a great start for us. We can address all the tropes again. And just like, so when we come yeah. across them, we don't have to explain we're, them. We're there. We're there. We're done. But what gets me is it's 13 minutes. Like, were people seriously getting up, getting dressed, going out to the cinema to watch a 13-minute film? Or would this be like a little short before another movie? Well, at that time, no. I think the very first motion picture, I think, was an Australian film about the Kelly gang. And I think that ran for 22 minutes. So, yeah, I think this was... I mean, yes, people sat through operas and plays back then for longer, obviously. But this was new technology. To make a a motion picture that goes for 90 minutes would be a big Hmm. answer. Well, I'm not saying that i'm just saying it's like it's a big deal just to go to the movies for 13 minutes like if you go to the movies these days you get 13 minutes of ads but before you even start your I, don't film. I don't know if they pl- oh, they might have played them in theaters where they played you know i th- i thought the a lot of the first motion pictures and that were sort of traveling showcases like a circus or something and they you go in a tent and you go in and sit and watch it so it was probably made a lot more money okay. if people were coming in for 13 minutes and then 15 minutes later you're starting a whole new crew of people paying their sixpence or something it's all about the That's money true. carnies not like your modern marvel movies that run for three hours and there's only like three sessions a day so correct yeah, I guess. All righty. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up day one of our Christmas Carol 2 Ebenezer Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. It's a nice version of Scrooge to kick it all off. So, yes, until we come back tomorrow, thank you very much, Mitch. No problem. And we'll see you very soon for day two. I'm your host, Mitch. With me, as always, in Melbourne is Mitch. <laughs> Hang on. I just said I was Mitch, didn't I? <laughs> Got into the dog early.